0: Hey friends, and welcome to the Story Forge podcast. I'm your host, Lyle Smith, and today is Penn Relays Friday. Now, I know not everyone out there will know what that means, but fans of track and field know it as a joyous annual celebration. But this year is different. The Penn Relays is one of the oldest and longest running sporting events in the country. It's the biggest and best track and field meet on the calendar. It happens in Philadelphia on the last weekend of April every year since 1895, until this year. The University of Pennsylvania's annual Relay Carnival is just that. Three days of racing, running, jumping, throwing, vaulting, reuniting, celebrating, cheering, and competing inside the famous Franklin Field. The enormous castle-like brick facade vibrates from within. 35,000 to 45,000 fans cheer their favorites each of the three days. Enter past the ticket windows into the vast space underneath the stands and you're accosted by that unique olfactory waft of sweat, liniment, and funnel cake. It's a scent unique to this place. There's jumping up and down, and there's music, there's chanting from the stands. There are athletes from elementary school to high school to college to masters runners and the professionals running relay events that don't get much attention during the rest of the year. The top tiers compete for the Championships of America and the famed Pen Relays Watch. The rest dig their spikes into the same track as some of the greatest athletes the sport has ever seen. Ask any of them who first competed in their school days, they'll all tell you the same thing. It was unforgettable. It's part championship, part homecoming. More than a few octogenarian fans have come every year since they were children to sit in the same sections in the same seats cheer the same teams and argue the same arguments with their friends since they were young. And today, Franklin Field is silent. I was fortunate to get a few minutes with Dave Johnson, who served as the Carnival's meat director for the past 25 years and a volunteer for years before that. See, even the officials are family here. We talked about what goes into managing such a huge event and what it felt like to have to make the call to cancel this year. Also, what it means to so many people involved in the meet as organizers, athletes, and fans.
1: Three miles from the county seat of media.
0: Oh, okay, sure.
1: So Delaware County, uh, the southernmost county along the Delaware River in in Pennsylvania
0: very good yeah i know that i I went to villanova and my sister my sister lives in wayne Uh uh-huh and uh she lives ironically like down the street from a friend another friend of mine from high school uh so it's been uh it's funny i'm from i'm from jersey so it's uh uh it's funny to have so many friends in this with with a connection to the same place so you are the uh, the meat director of the of the world renowned pen Relays, founded in 1895. Yeah, uh, what does it feel like to be part of a uh, an organization like that?
1: It's daunting. Uh, there's reputations to be upheld all the time. Um, there are innumerable people uh, who are. Um, your masters in many ways, because it's very much a volunteer organization. um, Your responsibility is to basically everyone out there, everyone who makes it work. um, You have to serve them uh, or it doesn't, it doesn't work. Um, And that means not just uh, making certain things work for officials and volunteers, but for coaches, uh, because they funnel everything to the to their athletes. Uh you have to make things work for spectators. Um, you know, it and and then it's uh uh you have to be aware of what security's needs are and and obviously since nine eleven more so than ever. And then uh uh several years back of course we had the, the Boston marathon bombings just less than two weeks before Penn relays. So we've had a couple of those Big things hit us uh, on the periphery in the past, but obviously nothing like this.
0: Right, and so you know you've you've had to you've had to shift um, uh, in certain times uh, over the year. How how long have you been meet director?
1: This is my twenty fifth year. Twenty fifth year,
0: and uh, and f- for those who aren't familiar with the pen relays, pen relays is the largest track meet in america every year it's three days uh the last weekend in april every year uh i used to joke that if 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 anyone was ever looking for me and couldn't find me anywhere on earth they could find me in the in the north stands on the last weekend in april um which is not exactly true i've missed quite a few years i don't have a i don't have a streak like some but um it is um, an enormous meet on Saturday, Friday, Saturday. You get thirty plus thousand uh, spectators.
1: Friday, we'll do uh, generally around mid thirties, and Saturday around mid forties. Now, mid
0: forties. Now, wow! It's an it's an you know it's an enormous uh, event, and what's really interesting about it, I think, is is that it, the the athletes competing range from grammar school through college and even into the pros
1: pros and then their masters athletes as and well Masters athletes, yeah. So, yeah
0: yeah and the thing that i remember the first time i attended the pen relays was in 1983 um that was the year my high school team uh dove at the line to, to lose to Willingboro in a in a, a then national record time um and uh it was just, and it has this sound as uh, when a close race comes down the last straightaway, it's like this, Ooh, and they dive at the tape. And, um, and the thing that struck me more than anything was how on schedule you guys run the event. It's, it was, it was just watching, you know, time click by because you, you, in those days, anyway, you printed the time of the event in the program along with, And you just stayed right on schedule. I found that absolutely stunning because I've been to a lot of New Jersey Jersey State track meets.
1: (laughs) Well, on Saturday, we know exactly how many races we're running. So it's not that difficult. It's still, you have to be on your toes, not let anything slip. Thursday and Friday uh, were not as good as uh, maintaining schedule because uh, you just never know how many heats of the four by ones you're going to run for instance right uh, or the college four by fours you just run them until they're done mm-hmm. and then you're finally on to the next event right. but um you know we're pretty we can be pretty good at times and then uh, just little hitches in weather can really throw you off too. That's so. true.
0: Yeah, that's true. But you know the way you move everybody through the uh, the paddock, which is the the space where the teams line up before they get out on the before their race. You know the race ahead of them is out running, and they're in the paddock waiting. And the way you move them through, because uh, most of them are relays, and so it's not just the number of teams in the race. It's the number of teams times four in the race. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's complicated, but it's uh, the way you guys handle it is, is really, you know uh, I think there's a lot of logistics organizations that could learn a thing
1: or two from what you guys do. Well, I found from a, a friend, an official many years ago that his take on it was that that was Wharton school training uh, time <laughs> management studies that go back to the turn of the, into the 19th century, um, or the 20th century, uh, and that those principles had been applied by the clerks at at the Penn Relays almost right from the start.
0: Fantastic. Uh, Like I said, you have athletes from grammar school right through to pros, Mm -hmm. including uh, masters races. Uh, You have some, um, you know, flat races, so to speak, mostly relays. Uh, you have a steeplechase on Saturday which is always exciting Um, how many athletes more or less uh, compete in any given year
1: in a given year about 14 or 15,000 it used to be more um, when we had a road race that uh, at one time had oh maybe eight or nine hundred participants okay Um, and that 14,000 is unique individuals it's not times on the track there. If you look at old numbers, uh, what you're often seeing is, um, it counts doublers and triplers. Oh, Okay. Uh, So if you're competing in two events, you're showing up twice. Ah, That's that, that works for us because it, uh, in terms of operating the meat in one sense, it doesn't matter if your name is John or Joe, you're still, Two people, and right. if you're Joe and Joe, just doubling back, you're still two people. You're you're coming through the system twice.
0: Right, you're still so, on the track twice, yeah. or on the field yeah. twice. Yeah, um, it's fat. and and just about every significant track and field athlete. I, I may be overstating this a little bit, but but so many of the most well-known and significant track and field athletes in history. Uh, have appeared at the Pan Relays in, in its time from 1895 to, to, to today or, you know, yeah. up until recently. Uh, I mean, everybody from from Roger Bannister to Paolo Nermi to Mary Decker, Mary Decker Slaney to, um, you know, name them to all the contemporaries mm-hmm. and, and, and some of the pros who, who never ran in college there, but came back to run as pros because it was so, mm-hmm. it had this, this, mythic quality to franklin field um so recently uh this year of course we have the the coronavirus uh pandemic spreading around the world and uh and we're all dealing with that every business because again the pen relays uh while you have volunteers while you have uh while it's a track meet it is still a business you know you have to run you have people buying tickets and um, you know, concessionaires and and all kinds of things going on. Um, but you had to cancel the meet for the first time in its history. Yeah. Uh, and that, that decision came down in March sometime, mid-March, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, we started seeing the, the real s- s- scrawling, uh handwriting on the wall on march 12th thursday yeah, right and friday the 13th was the day that hit everybody for certain um but yeah march 12th uh it, it and it all tumbled in about one hour about three thirty, i remember hearing that uh runners in albuquerque the ncaa championships um Runners were warming up on the track the day before the meet was to start. Mm -hmm. And they were pulled from the track and told, you know, we're canceling the meet. Wow! Go start getting ready to go home. About half an hour later, we hear that the Ivy League has decided that they are canceling all spring sports. And then about a half an hour after that, we hear that the NCAA has decided they're canceling all spring sports. Mm -hmm. And so very quickly, we're, we're just, Uh, Determining, well, okay, so the indoor championship meet is is canceled. Um, How are we, what do we have to do to respond? Um, You know, and you could see that things were precipitous, that things were going to keep tumbling. Um, And you started realizing that that this is going to be, in some ways, similar to 9-11, where we really don't have a decision to make. The decision will be made much higher up the ladder, right? Than, than what we want to do, one way or another, right? Um, and it it did work that way, and it happened very quickly. Um, yeah. We were having a meeting uh, on Friday at noon, mm-hmm. uh, thinking, well, okay, what are what are the options? What are the what are the scenarios at either end of the spectrum? Either we can have a meet um in in april on on the normal dates or if it's postponed can we can we run a full pen relays in may or june or july or or what can be done um and you quickly realize that we are penned in by the track schedule if if pen relays couldn't run on april but uh let's you know at the end of the last weekend in April, maybe the maybe the world opens up in uh, beginning of May. Well, that's when everything else uh, you know the track schedules for colleges and high schools are all uh, predetermined, right so we're just pretty much out of the picture at that point. Right. Um, we can run an uh, some sort of alternative, perhaps. Um, but that was quickly moving away, and in fact, Um, while Thursday, the 12th was the day that, that all the bricks came tumbling down. Mm -hmm. Um, it was Monday, the preceding that week's Monday that I came into work and I was starting to think just heard the people most susceptible are those who are over 70 years of age. Right. And I'm, I'm about to turn 69 in another couple weeks. Mm -hmm. And when we get our chiefs together. I'm in the um, young half of the group. Um, and, and so this is, uh, these are the people with the most experience right. who are the most at risk. Right. And right. so even if we could get all the athletes, even if we could get all the spectators, how exactly were we going to put this whole meet together when our best officials, uh, many of them are the ones you're, you're going to say, maybe you need to stay at home. Right. Um, we're going to be short-staffed doing that, but not just short-staffed number of bodies, but also very much in age, experience, wisdom, um, the people who know uh, where all the ropes lead, right. uh, where all the reins lead. Right. Right. Um, so so there, were, there were concerns being addressed even before Thursday the 12th and Friday the 13th
0: i would think and it's um and and there are so many moving parts you know we talked about the number of spectators and the number of athletes but you have you know a substantial number of um volunteers and Mm -hmm. people on you know your your committees and your officials and everything else and you know they all have uh their own health concerns they have travel plans they have hotel reservations, they have all that kind of stuff. So there's, you know, how do you start, um, you know, it's more than just saying, yeah, we're not having a meet. There's, Mm -hmm. there's, there's, how do you, how do you navigate that?
1: Well, one of the first things was to reach out to our major hotels that we, we work with directly, Mm -hmm. um, to let them know what, where things looked like they were heading, uh, right. Even on thursday um, and then on Friday, we started realizing that uh I think Penn was announcing in a circular from I believe the provost's office mm-hmm. that um things were going to be shut down until may mm-hmm. um and that courses I believe were going to be taught online as as early right. as the end of march right. um so that was a good sign, even though the circular didn't specifically mention, uh, any large events. Right. Um, it was clear that, and maybe it wasn't just May, the end of April, but maybe it was May 12th or right. there was a, a date in there. Right. Um, so there were, um, there were things we were trying to work through in terms of what can be done, what can't be done. Uh, and we were in touch with the Philadelphia CYO, which um, last night would have been running their trials at, uh, for the four-by-one oh, wow. uh, wow. on Franklin Field. Um, and uh, this, uh, th- they normally hold their championship meet at Franklin Field on the second weekend in June. Mm-hmm. we're thinking, well, maybe, maybe Penn Relays winds up co-sponsoring that meet. Okay. Um, just as a, um, a Philadelphia youth meet. Right. Maybe we expand it from just the CYO championships and include Philadelphia public schools or whatever. Right. Um, but it, it quickly, uh, that fell apart uh, very quickly when the schools were shut down in Philadelphia. Right. And then statewide, all of the schools were shut down. So there are, you know, we keep bouncing along uh, to find out what can be done. For instance, we were in, quickly in touch with USA Track and Field mm-hmm. about their plans, and they they were looking at possibly hosting a national championships late in July or early or, or late in August or early September. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking, well, let's see if if the track world is back up and running by June or July. Mm-hmm. Maybe we host some sort of meet that draws professional athletes, uh, other. Other people, maybe collegians, but how 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 do collegiate athletes compete in May or June uh, if they compete, say, for with the name of their school? Right. Is the NCAA going to hit them with an eligibility problem? So you know, so that gets really tricky. Yeah, be worked out.
0: I remember Um, navigating the NCAA rules too. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, in '86. Uh, my high school team won the high school distance medley at Penn Mm -hmm. and one of the massive joys of any athlete's life uh, who wins at Penn is getting the award is a watch it's a gold watch Mm -hmm. uh, Hamilton with spelled out Pennsylvania instead of 1 to 12 around the clock face and uh, in 86 the NCAA decided in its infinite wisdom that that constituted a uh, you know a gift of some kind yep. that that impacted eligibility. So mm-hmm. Penn said, "Well, I'm sorry, we can't we can't give any of the high school athletes watches that year." Yeah. And so, fortunately, they reversed their decision the next year, and Penn came back and said, "Yeah, here's your watches," mm-hmm. uh, which was a really it didn't have to be done, but you yep. know you guys handled that incredibly well and um and um i ended up giving mine to my coach because it was my second but uh that's the thing the ncaa has a lot of sort of intricate sometimes uh hard-nosed rules about things and um they're they're, they don't have a reputation for being uh easy to navigate sometimes
1: well it yeah it's a it can be a labyrinth but um you know you just their rules are in place for a reason. Absolutely. Now, sometimes it's difficult to figure out what the reason (laughs) is um, because, you know, if you look at a a rule book, and I suspect law and legislation is like this as well, um, most rules wind up getting written to cover loopholes. And that's why the the rule book just keeps expanding. It, It used to be that the... NCAA rule book was only about twenty pages long, but right. that's a hundred years ago, right? And now it just goes on and on and on, and, and and it's a need to more clearly specify what it is you exactly meant by uh, a two-inch curb. Um, right. <laughs> there were places that had a flat uh, line painted on the track, but the line was two inches wide, and that, in their mind, at one time constituted to did a two inch curb. Yeah. Um, The NCAA and, and AAU had to specify Mm -hmm. that it had to be raised above the, the track to a total of two inches. So, no, it's just, um, uh, you know, the, the labyrinth you have to, to maneuver through. Right. Um, and you, and you want to do that because you don't want to risk anybody's, uh, standing within their, with their collegiate eligibility, high school eligibility, whatever it is. Well,
0: sure. And, and any sport is only as good mm-hmm. as, as it's, as, as the observance of its rules. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I, I liken it to the rules of golf, for example, uh, is a booklet. That's 106 pages long that fits in your pocket. Uh, but the decisions on the rules of golf is like 600 pages long. It's like the interpretation of those rules. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it gets complicated pretty quickly. So the, um the decision comes down and it you know the writing's on the wall, everybody kind of sees what's going mm. on and, and you know the hotels obviously have their, their issues to deal with. Yeah. Uh the teams coming in have their issues to deal with. You have seniors in high school mm. uh who this may be their last pen relays yep. uh, that, that disappears, seniors in college where this is their last pen relays or their last NCAA championship opportunity and that disappears up in smoke. Yeah. Um, have you heard anything from, from any of these folks? I know cause, cause Penn tends to be sort of like a real familial entity. You know, yeah. it really is kind of anybody who's run there. Even if it's somebody, I meet people who, who have run there, who I don't know. And immediately we're like connected. Um, so have you heard from people like that?
1: Yeah. Um, not athletes as much as coaches and mm-hmm. officials and, and spectators. Right. Um, because athletes, uh, particularly on the high school level and and the college level, they are always wor- working through their coach. Their coach right. is is that that midpoint. Um, right. But uh, we got some very interesting letters from parents right. on both sides of the issue. Right. You can't you can't take this away from my daughter. Uh, you know this is this is my son's last chance to, to run a pen, you know, he's not right. good enough to run in college. Right. You can't, you can't, you can't not have the meat. And then people were saying, be courageous. Uh, uh, you have to, you have to cancel. You can't, you right. can't do, uh, conduct the meet." And so it, it's, uh, and courage was mentioned on both sides of that, that issue.
0: Right. right. I mean, it's um, a, it's a heartbreaking decision to have yeah. to do, especially a meet that has run, consecutively for so long with ev- without ever being canceled. I mean, like the Olympics have been canceled due to world wars. U.S. Opens yeah. have been canceled due to world wars. Um, you know, but this one always kind of persevered. But this is this is different.
1: It's very different. Um, we've not. Well, the world hasn't been so through something like this that I'm aware of. I even in the Great Plague didn't. Didn't touch every corner of the world, and uh, you know the the notion of isolationism doesn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, The oceans don't protect us. Right. Uh, You know, too many people fly too easily, and and anybody can get almost any place. Um, And with that, so can a virus.
0: Right. Absolutely. So it's, it's, it's true. It's one of those things that it's absolutely a hundred percent the right decision, mm. but it's absolutely a hundred percent heartbreaking too. Yeah. Um, Cause it's uh, you know, we all have that, you know, like I said, we have that connection to it. And even if, even if it was years where I, I wasn't able to get to the meet, mm. uh, I was always looking for the results. I was always looking to see how, how XYZ team ran or, you know, uh how this individual did or how big up you were playing the pros versus the the college kids and um because it is it is sort of a magical event and there's not there's not many like it uh i don't think there's anything quite like it
1: anywhere in america um well i think it's because it's it's family it cross it crosses both gender lines it crosses age and, and, and generations, um, you know, you go with your parents who went with their parents who went with their parents. Uh, we have officials now who are working on fourth generation. Um, they go back, uh, almost 120 years, at least, um, at least in one line of, of officials. Um, so it's, uh, um, it becomes reunion. And not just in the collegial sense of a college reunion or high school reunion, but it's a family reunion. Um, and it's, uh, it's all sorts of friends who um, get together because this is a place to get together and enjoy something that you once loved. And maybe it's only peripheral now. Maybe your interest is completely waned, except that this is where your friends and you always hang out and always have. So you do it again.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I know people uh, and I know stories of people who have been going every year since they were, you know, uh, in grammar school or high school and and they're, you know, advanced senior citizens now, but they somehow managed to get to their same and it's usually the same seats, too, or the same section uh, to watch the meet and uh, and try and be part of it in one way or another. And, you know, smell the funnel cakes underneath. Uh, it's, 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 it's funny. There's a, there's a unique, there's a, there's a, there's an olfactory experience to being at the pen Relays. Uh, it, it's, it's that, that funnel cake and liniment smell underneath the <laughs> that, uh, that is inescapable. So how do you, how do you feel about it all?
1: Uh, I'm, I've been working too much, you know, just, just waiting to see what the next bump in the road is. Right. You figure out. Okay, so now that potential operational plan goes out the window. So now we, we don't have this meet happening with the CYO mm-hmm. in mid June. Um, you know, we don't know yet what uh, when the country or the world will start opening up again. Uh, when athletes get back, you know, the will will it, will it uh, say you're a high school athlete and mm-hmm. Even if you, particularly if you want to run in college and you're a cross country runner, are you going to train all the way now through to July or August, uh, and compete then when you're going to start college in end of August, start running cross country. In fact, are, are you going to be able to run in fall sports? Who knows what's going to happen yet? Who knows how quickly things uh, turn around? Um, we, we keep waiting to see. And, right. uh, you know, the, uh, the statistics keep shifting also. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's a difficult thing. And you keep, you keep staying in touch with people uh, in various parts of the sport and business world and, and transportation uh, whose borders are open. You know, just, just because, let's say, Philadelphia opens up right. uh, in July. Uh, what about neighboring states? Will they let people come from New Jersey into philadelphia right uh, or will they let people out of new jersey uh, going north who 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 knows which jurisdictional powers are going to uh, step in and say no you can 't do that
0: Yeah, there are many links in the chain and and Penn historically mm-hmm. has has athletes come from all over all over the yeah. country all over the world, really. Uh, you know the Jamaican athletes come to mind mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of times that you know Penn has been at least the story goes Penn has been their their one big opportunity to be seen by college coaches in America mm-hmm. and um, you know unfortunately that's that's not happening this year yeah.
1: yeah. well in fact the Jamaican brick was the first one to fall and that was I think the Monday uh, two Mondays before Black Thursday okay. um, Monday or Tuesday, we we got a call saying that, that the Minister of Health in Jamaica was not going to allow teams to travel. Right. Um, and then later that week, we heard that um, Baltimore County was not going to let their kids get on school buses to come. Right. And then we heard, uh, you know, another day later, that Montgomery County in Bal- uh, suburban Baltimore
0: had right. also
1: shut down in that regard. So we had um, – At the same time we're hearing these, for instance, we started revamping our uh, 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 entry guidelines for the high schools. Right. We we did that right after the Jamaican withdrawal. Mm -hmm. And then um, when I heard about the two Baltimore schools out and then uh, the, uh, on, Friday the 13th was when we heard that the New Balance National indoor meet had also been canceled. Right. Uh, then it's a matter of, okay, well, lots of schools are planning on that meet to get their qualifying marks in, in right. all the indoor jumping events. Right. Uh, right. I didn't Houston even think of that. 4 by 8 um, the mile, the 3000, that's a all, uh, that's a prime meet for right. those qualifying. Um, and so we were suddenly going back and forth, and and uh, over that weekend, we're saying, well, let you know, it may be that we just have to go back to last year, last year's standards, loosen them up quite a bit, mm-hmm. and um, allow marks made last last year to wow. count for all events. Um, so it was going to be a very tricky thing, but before the high school games committee got too far down a second revision. Um, I just said, you know, be, be prepared to do something and, and be thinking about uh, the next step of, of qualifying standards. Right. But uh, don't be, don't be surprised if they don't come to pass. So, they did a little, we didn't get too far down the road on that set on that second revision though. Right. Uh, and, and that's basically what uh, the whole last month, last six weeks has been like, you're just, uh, you're preparing just in case you can go on. Right. Uh, but, uh, and the fact is that, uh, I hadn't shed a tear over all of this because my mind is so in tune with working out the next set of logistical dilemmas. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're track meet. We'll be back. Right. Lots of track meets, things that happen once a year, we'll be back. Mm-hmm. It's restaurants and small businesses that are on life support, if they're even there, if they're Uh even... And, uh, you know, there's a a terrific bar up in Washington Heights in New York City, right around the corner from the New York City Armory at Uh 168th Street, a place called Coogan's. And on Monday, they announced that they were shuttering and they weren't Uh gonna be coming back. And we put together a hastily, uh, rather impromptu, Zoom toast that evening. Wow. Toast wake, whatever you want to call yeah. it. had about two dozen people from around the country, and it was uh, it was just a terrific time, but uh, realizing that 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 was the first entity I knew of that would not ever be coming back, right? Um, you know, you'll still have all the friends from there, right, but you won't have that meeting place. Um, you know, and, and for a lot of people that was a draw just to go to the armory, right. it was just the track meet, um, because you could go up to the armory or you could go elsewhere, mm-hmm. but you, but to do, do a meet at the armory and go to Coogan's that was, yeah. that was a, well, a
0: and Coogan's was sort of the ultimate track bar, you know, the track wow. place. Cause it Young. was, it was, uh, you know, the, they've run at the armory since, mm-hmm. You know, my dad ran at the armory when it was a flat gym floor. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and to see, and Coogan's has been threatened numerous times over the years. So uh, it's, 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 and they've survived a, a mm-hmm. lot of things that would have killed a lot of, you know, stronger people. Yeah. And um, so it is sad to see them go. And um, uh, like you say, I mean, you know, pen the pen Relays will be back. Um, and and ideally bigger and better than ever Um, and it will be that that old home week uh, that we've come to know and love yeah yeah but yeah you're right the small businesses and that's that's why I started this whole podcast in the Mm -hmm. the first place was to really kind of get at those stories of these small businesses and the passions that got them started and and kept them going for so long so uh yeah, so next up you're you're basically navigating possibilities between now and and you know who knows when when things yeah. open up safely again. Mm-hmm. And uh, ideally there'll be uh, you know a a vaccine coming within the next number of months and, and we'll see pen relays back up yeah. and running next yeah. year, hopefully. Uh,
1: That's the idea. That's, that's our idea.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's been a strange time. It's been a really strange time. How are things in Philadelphia? I mean, how are things in your neck of the woods? You're, you're outside of Philly, but you said you were walking to the uh, post office earlier and, you know, uh, taking your opportunities to get some fresh air.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm doing it outdoors today just because, um, well, it's about it's mid fifties right now. It's overcast. It's a, um, you know, it's a penrelays Thursday. That's it. That's
0: it. Uh, it would be nice. It would. I've I've run I've run there in colder temperatures yeah. than that. Oh yeah. <laughs>
1: so. Well, we escaped the snow flurries that were were projected for last night. They never appeared apparently. But. Oh, very good. Very good.
0: Well, Dave, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, and your insight into what's going on yeah. with your uh, event and organization.
1: Lyle, thank you. Enjoyed this. It's, it's nice to uh, sit in relaxed fashion, ignore the phone for a while, anyways. I'm, I'm
0: happy I could help with that. Yeah. So that was Dave Johnson, meet director of the long-running pen Relays after having had a hand in, in making the decision to cancel one of the longest-running sporting events in American history. This is a little bit of a sad day for me. I, I've run there. Uh, I have friends who've run there. We've, we've won there. We've lost there. We've had some significant experiences at Penn, and uh, it brings back a lot of wonderful memories, even if it is canceled this year. So they're looking up. They're planning on uh, coming back stronger than ever. And uh, if you've never been, make sure you get a chance to go sometime. Thanks for listening. Be careful out there. If you find yourself enjoying the Story Forge podcast, please give us a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It helps others find the show and hopefully enjoy it as much as you do. All recording, editing, and executive producing tasks are handled by yours truly, Lyle Smith of NimbleSmith and the Content Marketing Agency. This podcast would not be possible without the sincerely excellent help of our friend and associate producer, Anthony Sergi, who produces numerous podcasts, including the truly wonderful A Guest in the House, about all things hip-hop. The music on the podcast was provided by Jody Nardone and the Jody Nardone Trio, Lights Will Guide You Home album. And thank you to Meg Waldron for connecting me with Dave Johnson for this interview. If you'd like to send us questions or feedback or suggestions for other subjects or guests, you can reach us through the StoryForge website, that's the storyforge.com, all words separated by hyphens. Or you can email us at cheers at nimblesmith.com, spelled N Y M B L E S M I T H.